saying these things, Jesus rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The one, the highest, the king, the one whom should have had his feet washed as he sits on a throne, worshiped by all humanity, knows that the Father has given all things into his hands. His identity in God was secure. And he knew that he had come from God and he was going back to God. John isn't writing these things just haphazardly. I feel like this was the revelation and the inner strength that Jesus walked in to be the servant of servants. Guys, when we know who we are in Christ, when we know where we are going and what is rewarded where we are going, what the greatest among you shall be a servant, right? And the greatest among you shall be the least among you. That came out of Luke 22, where the disciples, in the same context, probably before the washing of the feet, were arguing at the Last Supper, who's going to be the greatest? And I probably think Jesus said that, and then probably did this. He gets on his knees, and he takes the lowest place in the home of the servants. The lowest servant had the job of washing the dirty feet. And Jesus, who is the highest of all creation, takes the lowest place of humanity and washes his disciples' feet. He doesn't give his heart in pieces, right? He pours out his love upon us. And as they were singing that, I was thinking of Jesus pouring water on the disciples' feet, giving them an example of how they should love, how they should serve. He goes on later on in verse 12. He says, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I've done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is where Jesus is going with this. I'm gonna commission you to be my servants. I'm gonna commission you to be my messengers. In speaking of me, I want you acting like this. In representing me, I want you treating others like this. In loving me, I want you to love one another in the example that I gave to you. We're gonna go into a minute and look at the new commandment Jesus gave. And he says, as I have loved you. And I'm sure the disciples were thinking of this foot washing and they were thinking of the past three years of being with Jesus. And then after the resurrection, they're thinking of the cross, laying down their lives 
for others and serving. So let's go back into the song and let's think of Jesus washing our feet and preparing himself for the cross. And let's worship him in this posture. Amen. Good. Luna, can you just start that bridge for us? Take us there. (laughs) Your love's not fractured. It's not a troubled mind. It isn't anxious, it's not the restless kind Your love's not passive, it's never disengaged It's always present, it hangs on every word we say Love keeps us promises, it keeps us word Honors with sacred saying you can experience my love for you by the power of my Holy Spirit I am still the same Jesus who washed the feet of those whom I love and I love them to the end he said I gave my best for you I gave my life for you you can trust me with everything You can lay every burden at my feet, for I care for you. I love you, and I will love you till the end. I think we are going to be shocked to witness the one who has all authority and all power still act like this when he leads the nations of the earth. We thank you that you are the servant of servant while being the king of kings, Jesus. We thank you that when you had all authority, you laid it down to lift us up. God, we ask you for grace right now to love others like this. Put in our heart 
this same power that you have to not give your heart in pieces and to pour out your love upon us. Lord, I pray for marriages right now. I pray for husbands right now and wives. Give us grace, God, to love as you have loved. Give us grace for this new commandment. Just as I felt that, I felt the Holy Spirit say, if Jesus commanded it, I will empower you to love. If Jesus said it, I will give you power to do it. All you have to do is talk to me. Just close your eyes and hear this from the Lord. All you have to do is talk to me. All you have to do is ask me. All you have to do is look up and ask me to give you grace to love like this. And I will give you grace to love. As I was preparing this sermon, I just felt like the Lord saying, I am going to give you strategies at the rock to love one another. I'm going to give you strategy to love well. So right now, God, we ask you for that empowerment. We pray that you, we would feel your love for us and experience it. And we ask you for grace to love others. We ask you for this right now. This is foreign to us without you, but Holy Spirit, change our hearts. Holy Spirit, transform our minds. Let this mind be in us that was in Christ. Let nothing be done out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Let us be the servants who go low because we've experienced the servant's love for us who became a slave even to the point of death. Lord, let us know that you will magnify and glorify humility, and it will be rewarded when we stand before you. Let us see this in the scriptures, and let us live lives for the age to come, knowing that you will reward every act of love done in your name toward the world and toward the church. Give us this, Lord. Let's go back into the scriptures just for a minute. I'm going to have these notes online tomorrow. We're going to jump down to verse 31. So Jesus, in the same vein, and the whole drama has gone on with Judas Iscariot, and Judas has gone out to betray Jesus and of course Simon speaks up and does his little thing of you cannot wash my feet and I love him because I think he realized what was going on like no you're the worthy one I should wash your feet and after that progression we get to verse 31 it said when he had gone out that's Judas Iscariot Jesus said now is the son of man glorified God is glorified in him if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. It's the first time Jesus like uses this Trinitarian language of John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. He's talking about him and his father as one. And as Jesus receives glory, his father is going to receive glory and his father is going to glorify him. He's talking in these verses about the cross 
and about the resurrection and about the ascension and about his future reign forever and ever. That's all in there. And Judas had gone out to seal the deal and Jesus saw it through the eyes of the Father. Here it comes, Father. I'm gonna be glorified and you're gonna be glorified in me. And then later on, he's gonna pray, and Lord, we're gonna be glorified in them. Oof. And Jesus continues, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. We're gonna talk about that next week in John 14. But verse 34, let's just end with this meditation. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So I was thinking about this verse and just meditating on it, asking the Lord the question, why was this the new commandment? Now, this isn't the same as the new covenant. I feel like this commandment is under, like the banner is the new covenant, and this is the commandment of the new covenant. It's pretty simple, yet it's very profound and hard to walk out. Amen? But I was asking the Lord, okay, under in the new covenant with this new commandment, why is it new? Because the Old Testament tells us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus testifies to that verse. And he testifies to the second verse, love your neighbor as yourself. He's like, in these are fulfilled all the laws and the prophets to get these down. But then he speaks to his disciples and says, I have a new commandment to give you. Love one another. It sounds a lot like love your neighbor as yourself. But what popped out, and I don't know if this is the definite answer, but what I feel like the Holy Spirit saying to me is, it's a new commandment because Jesus says, love one another just as I have loved you. The world had never seen perfect love walked out in flesh. They had never seen the example of the love of God before them. And the, then the disciples were going to see the love of God manifested on the cross. He who follows me has to take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. And I'm sure they're putting all this together after the resurrection, empowered by the Holy Spirit, going, the Holy Spirit is going to give us power to love one another and to love the world in the same way that Jesus loved the world. That's why it's new. It had never been seen before that generation. And I was just thinking, Jesus, how did you love? Okay, I got the foot washing, I got the cross, but I was like, but just how did you love? When, when the disciples were thinking, love one another as I have loved you, what did they experience of you in those three and a half years? They were gonna experience the cross, of course, but what did they experience of you? And these thoughts just began to come to me and I said, I wrote down, sometimes love looks like forgiving those who are wronging you. 
I think of Jesus at the cross and he's praying after he had just prayed for everyone and after he had just given himself in revelation and teaching to his disciples, he's praying for his, for the soldiers and for the priests that are crucifying him. And he says, Father, do not hold against them. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I wonder what would have happened if Jesus wouldn't have prayed that prayer. I'm not saying anything. We're not going to develop a theology on that. But he prayed it. I wonder if that's the prayer that sent Paul of Tarsus into the Gentile world. I wonder if that's the prayer that Nicodemus was operating in as a Pharisee and as a believer as he was probably talking about the Messiah to other Pharisees and they were coming to Jesus. Father, forgive them. I was thinking of Peter. Jesus, okay, what's this thing of forgiveness? Um, like, if my brother wrongs me seven times, and I'm sure Peter was like, that's a pretty big number, seven times, same, same person. Is that how many times I should forgive them? Jesus is saying, oh, no, 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 no. It's 70 times seven, Peter, for that same person to really wrong you. That's the power I'm going to release in your heart to forgive and to walk in freedom of an open heart in my resurrection. Guys, we can walk in freedom and in full forgiveness. Now, that doesn't mean we're stupid and we put ourselves in bad situations with people who have hurt us. But we can be free on the inside through the power of the Holy Spirit by experiencing the love of Jesus and acknowledging our sins. And that when we were sinners, Christ died for us and the Father showed his love for us. And sometimes love is going to your brother when you see things that are in his life that don't reflect Christ and compassionately addressing them. Right before in that same passage in Matthew where Peter says, how many times should I forgive? Jesus talks about how to restore your brother in the faith when they have wronged you and they have sinned against you. And Mike and I were talking about this. I had never gotten this before because then Jesus goes into like prayer and where two or more are gathered, there I am in their midst and I'll give them anything they ask for. And we were talking about it the other day. We go, we've never understood this. And then just revelation came and it was like, oh my goodness. It's about restoring those who are walking outside of the family into the family of God so that there's greater unity and there's greater power being released in prayer and Jesus is more greatly glorified in the earth. And we want to compassionately confront. And we want to be compassionately confronted when things aren't wrong, when things are wrong in our life. Why? Because it's pulling us back into experiencing that love. It's pulling us back into walking in freedom. And it's pulling us back into the fellowship of the brethren that when if two or more are gathered, how much more a thousand, how much more the unity of the body of Christ. And sometimes love is having patience with our younger believers, with younger believers in their immaturity while, they, while we continually point them to Jesus. How many of you who have been in the faith are grateful for men and women in your life who are patient with you in immaturity? I am so grateful. Oh, I should have been written off so many times. 
I've said so many stupid things. I've responded bad in so many ways. But men, women in my life didn't give up on me. And they said, oh, he'll get it. I'm going to continue to pray for him. I mean, think of how many times Jesus said, little children. <laughs> I mean, we just read it in John 13. Or, oh, you of little faith. Jesus, who has the pinnacle of faith, is bringing these young disciples forward into the maturity of the faith. And where Paul says in Ephesians, even we can experience the fullness of God. And sometimes love looks like the love that Jesus had for his disciples and is patient with them in immaturity. Sometimes love looks like opening the scriptures and teaching. Did you know that? Think of how many times Jesus taught. He was loving. Have you ever thought of your Bible study? Have you ever thought of your quiet times and your prayer times as preparing yourself to love others well because you walked in revelation? Guys, loving others is waking up in the morning at 5 a.m. like my wife does while I sleep in <laughs> most mornings and opening up the scriptures and talking to the Lord about them and talking to the Lord about her children and gaining revelation from heaven because she's having armor and ammo to love well. Guys, I have been loved well by men and women in my life who walked with the spirit of revelation in the word of God. And I want to be that, and I, I'm not saying I am that. I want to be that, and I want to continue that pursuit. Have you ever thought about your prayer life as loving people? Like, think of Jesus and Peter. <laughs> Jesus says, oh, Peter, by the way, um, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Right there, we all go, ah. Oh. <laughs> the Son of God just told you that Satan's having a conversation with him and asking that he would sift you like wheat. But, but Jesus says, but I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. I'm praying for you, Peter. I think of this little obscure guy in the book of Colossians called Epiphras. I think that's how you say his name. Some, one of you Greek guys can correct me after the service. It says Epiphras, who is one of you, Paul's writing to the church of Colossae, and Epiphras, I guess, has been with him, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ. He greets you, and he is always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all of the desires of God. How many of you want a friend like that? I want to encourage you to be a friend like that. I want to encourage you to labor in intercession for the fullness of God in your family's life, in your children's life, and of course in your own life, you want to walk in that. Guys, when you find a friend that labors with you in intercession, don't mess up that friendship. I'm serious. I have friends who I prayed with for about 13 years straight at the house of prayer, and we labored together in intercession, not only for the things of God to be manifested in the earth and in America and for our country and for our nation, but for one another. And we could go to one another and say, I'm struggling. 
But I knew the person I was coming to had a fervent prayer life. And I knew they were going to pray for me. And most of the time, it was just right there. Okay, let's go to the side room. We're going to spend a couple hours in prayer over this. We need to be those people. We need to be that church. Lord, we just ask you right now for that grace that you gave Epiphras. We ask you for that grace to labor fervently in intercession for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We ask you, Lord, that you would give us a spirit of prayer that we would be complete and mature in all that you desire to do. That we would be complete and mature in God. Give us a spirit of laboring fervently in intercession for one another. Amen. And we could go on and on and on. Jesus rejoiced with those who rejoiced. When the 72 came back, it was beautiful. He sent them out two by two, and they came back, and they're ecstatic. They're saying, the demons respond at your name when we use it, and they gut out of people, and people are healed, and people are delivered. And what does it say Jesus did? He says, guess what, guys? I saw Satan fall like lightning, and he's like getting into the story with them. He's like, I know, it's amazing. And then it says later on in the passage, in Luke 10, it says, and Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. And the context is with his disciples. He's rejoicing with his disciples because they're experiencing glory. And he says, but don't only rejoice in this. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you are going to receive glory and riches and power and love and the resurrected body forever. It's not just on this side, it's in the next as well. And he says, he rejoiced in the Spirit. And he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you haven't hidden these things, from, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you revealed them to little babes. <laughs> there he is again, being patient with these little faithless disciples. But he's so happy for them. Most of the time when we see someone rejoicing, the first thing that creeps in our heart is jealousy. It takes the strength of the Holy Spirit to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Okay, little example in my life just recently. We just had a conference here. How many of you guys were at the conference? Yeah? Woohoo! All right. <laughs> so, we're at the conference. And first night was wonderful and da 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 da. And all these words and Heidi and. Ah, missionaries being sent to the ends of the earth and I'm tripping over people because I'm trying to lead worship up here and it was, it was insane and it was fun and it was wonderful. I get in the car, I'm driving home and I am attacked in my thought life with the Lord doesn't see you. The Lord's forgotten you. The Lord, like God, do you care about me? Like nothing was, and I was just getting this like attack and I didn't even recognize it at the moment. I recognized it when I woke up in the morning. How many of you guys do that? Like, brand new day, and you're like, what was that last night, you know? And you're like, oh. And Jesus would say to us, oh, ye of little faith, you know? I was the ye of little faith at that, that, at that time. And I'm driving here for the morning session, and it kind of comes back. 
And I hear the Holy Spirit say, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. So I just began to thank God for him speaking to that person, him speaking to this person, him speaking to that person. And it broke. And I, w- I, I came in to that morning session with a, with a heart that was free to love and just be like, God, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. This isn't about me. And then I ended up getting some words and that was fun. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Get your mail read. You're like, God, you see me. You love me. Thank you. I appreciate it. But it wasn't about that. It was about Marcus, have a heart to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Have a heart to, when you see others blessed, to rejoice with them in it. And sometimes love looks like weeping with those who are weeping. Sometimes, of course, I'm thinking of the example of Jesus and when Mary comes to him at the death of Lazarus and she says, if you would have been here. And what does it say? I just want to read it. This is powerful. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her said he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And the idea is he wept with them. They were weeping together. Then the Jews said, see how much he loved him. Guys, I wonder if the world doesn't see how much we love and how much we love him because we don't rejoice with those who rejoice and we don't weep with those who weep. He said, this is the badge. This is the identification. This is how people are going to know that you're mine. I wonder how much and how many would come into the faith if they saw radical, abandoned, head-tilting love in the church. Extravagant love. Like the highest in heaven taking off his robe and washing the feet of his lowly, immature, faithless disciples. When was the last time you loved with such extravagance that the person just went like, ah, like, you know, like the head tilt, like, why are you doing this? I want to ask for that type of love. I want to be a husband who loves his wife like that. I want to be a father who loves his children like that. And guys, when that gets going, husbands, love your life as Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. I'm not going to go into the wife's part. I'll let my wife do that sometime. She'll say all that stuff. <laughs> Just like. So, let's just stand to our feet. We're just going to end this time. I know it went a little long. So I want us to sing this chorus again. I want us to think of Jesus and I want us to give him our worship as we describe his never failing, 
never ending, open heart toward us. And then I, we're just going to end in praying Ephesians 3 one more time. Is that good? I feel like we're just going to end, maybe, I don't think we're going to go to our tables tonight. I feel like we just need to end in another ministry time to experience the love of God and to encounter his love for us and be filled with strength to have love for others. Can we do that? Maybe the first half that got prayed for is going to turn into the ministry time for the second half, right? <laughs> just play. Okay. So Lord, we thank you for this passage. We thank you that you love those who are yours and you love them to the end. We thank you that you are the highest of all creation, yet you take the lowest place. We thank you for this commandment you have given us and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to empower us to love as Jesus has loved us.